Mafia, what is up? And welcome into another edition of the Halftime Adjustments Podcast on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. I am your host, Charlie Gross. So happy to be here with you. You can find me on Twitter at Charlie underscore Gross underscore. You can find Built-In Buffalo at Built-In Buffalo underscore. And check out the other great podcasts we have and the YouTube channel. Today marks a very special day. It's the start of our spring-summer crossover series. Each week for the next 14 or 15 weeks, I'll be bringing you one guest from one of the teams on the Buffalo Bills 2021 schedule for a little summer crossover series. Really excited about this. I've got a whole bunch of really cool guests lined up for you guys to listen to. And today, we're starting with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with John Shipley from the Jaguar Report. Ladies and gentlemen of the Bills Mafia, you are listening to my very first uh, summer crossover series with some of the people who will be uh, representing the other teams on the Bills schedule. And first up, we have John Shipley, beat reporter for the Jaguar Report, covering the Jacksonville Jaguars. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good, Charlie. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm really excited to actually have you on and talk about the Jags because, to me, they're pretty interesting. And, and I, I feel like any team that's rebuilding is interesting, but certainly there's been a lot made about you know, Urban Meyer. Um, you know, I listen to a lot of locked-on Jaguars, and for, from my outsider perception, I feel like a, a lot of the, the fan base is – Totally on board with this, um, the Urban Meyer. Am I way off base? I know you know he's, that you knew you guys know him very well from Florida, obviously with Tebow and all that. Yeah, I, I, I'd say people who are more kind of cautious and negative about the Meyer hire probably come from outside of Jacksonville. I think most people in their base uh, are like the move one because you know he's a guy who. Like, yeah, it's at the college level, but the Jaguars have been so bad that if you have a record of winning, I think, at any level, they'll, they'll you know, kind of take it at this point. And then, uh, I, on the other hand, you know, like you said, Meyer's a guy that a lot of fans around here know well. You know, I mean, a lot of reporters around here know well. They're guys that, you know, covered him, you know, a decade or so ago. So, I, I think a lot of people within Jacksonville, I'd say the vast majority of people uh, – like to hire just because it kind of breathes some life into the franchise. I mean, you know, nothing against uh, Doug Marone, who, you know, first head coach I covered in the NFL. Uh, He was always very gracious with me. I think, uh, you know, he was a better head coach than the Jaguars record would let on because, you know, he was kind of hamstrung by the talent. But Doug Marone isn't exciting your fan base. You know, he's not kind of breathing life into your organization. And I think that's what Meyer has kind of done for a team that badly kind of needed that. Yeah, and I would say when you're in that position, and certainly I think from what I've heard, uh, you know, Shad Khan has certainly kind of taken a more active role. Um, you know, I think Urban Meyer at one point said that Khan was in charge of the 53. Uh, you know, I don't know how much that really matters. I suppose every owner, in a way, is in charge of the 53 at the end of the day. Um, but I guess what's your perception of Meyer – and certainly a lot of bang for your buck. You know, you're going to get a lot of eyes on your team, um, excite some of the fan base like you said. But what's your perception of him actually translating to the NFL? Because I, people have pointed out, you're not just walking into some kid's house and saying, hey, I'm Urban Meyer. <laughs> you know, yeah. I won two national titles. Come play for me. It's, it's totally different. You know, you're, you, 
you know, you're not recruiting, you're drafting. So what's your perception on his learning curve and, and how he's going to do with that? I actually think that's the biggest uh, transition he has to make is, you know, I, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, made a big deal about, you know, how different the NFL is on the field from college. And, you know, obviously big difference there, but I truly believe the quality of coach he is and, you know, the, the kind of football mind he is and the kind of leader he's proven to be that he won't really have problems in terms of, you know, instilling a culture or even, you know, coming up with a good coaching staff, coming up with good game plans. I think his issue will be realizing, you know, like you said, well, in, in the NFL, it doesn't matter as much that you're Urban Meyer. You know, I'm, I, I I talked to Jim Moore Jr. a few weeks ago, and, you know, he made a great point that, you know, at, at the NFL, you know, you, you're kind of just another guy right now until you do something, you know. So for for all of, you know, the legend and hype that is Urban Meyer, until he does something at the NFL level, I think he needs to remember that, you know, the, the, the game in the league is bigger than Urban Meyer. At, at Ohio State and at Florida, uh, nothing was bigger than Meyer. You know, it was, it was you know, what he it, his word uh, – was the word, you know, and then we've already seen here, you know, uh, the Chris Doyle decision, uh, how, you know, that at Ohio state, he, he probably, honestly, he he probably would not have gone about that the same way because he doesn't have to take into the factors of, you know, really the public backlash or, you know, how the locker room may feel, you know, because at the NFL players are much more of, you know, really the ownership of the brand and the team success than say the head coach. So I I think that's the biggest transition. I think in terms of the X's and O's, I really do think that he'll be fine. I I don't think they'll have any issue with that. And I think he's put together a solid coaching staff, but I think that's the biggest thing. And then just in terms of a con and the 53, I think it was more so con wants to be more, in tune and involved with the process of the team building in terms of he's made uh, he's, he's made several comments this offseason about being surprised on draft day in the past, which and it means like he's even gone as far to say in the first round. So I think he more so doesn't want to be instances where he doesn't know at all what the team is doing like they were in the past and that he at least wants to be informed. But I think decisions like Travis Etienne in the first round and even considering Tim Tebow show you that uh, this is Urban Meyer's show and he's running it. Right, and and I will say about the locker room because I, I know I think last year that popped up about how you know certainly like I said from an outsider's point of view there seemed to be a lot of buzz about obviously there was the Ngakwe situation but a lot of, it seemed like the locker room from the way we heard it just didn't really like the the Jaguars front office at all. Um, I'm I'm sure there was some at least some truth to that. How do you think? they've perceived Meyer. I know, you know, is it too early to tell? Uh, has some of that sort of animosity faded a little bit or, or is that still something that, that he'll have to deal with a speed bump? He's going to have to smooth over or, or whatever. Uh, I, I think, you know, obviously you want to see, you know, once the games start going and once the bullets start flying and, kind of see how Urban Meyer leads the locker room after, you know, they've lost three or four games in a row because that's not something he's really had to do before. But at least up to this point, all the reviews from the players inside the building and everything, uh, it, it's been positive. You know, when I say he's been a breath of fresh air to people within Jacksonville, I don't just mean within the fan base, you know, I mean really within the organization. I I, I think a lot of the young players feel, uh, you know, kind of reinvigorated uh, by, by his presence, uh, you know, especially because uh, to, to these – who Meyer really, honestly, in my opinion, is going to have to prove himself to is veteran players, but young players who are, you know, just a year or two removed from college, at least in my opinion, will probably hold him in a bit, you know, higher regard. And, you know, maybe he'll have to prove a little bit less to them. And that's what a lot of the Jaguars roster is, you know, guys like Josh Allen. Well, Josh Allen, when he was coming out of Kentucky, Urban Meyer was still one of the biggest names in all college football. Right. I got you. 
So speaking, now obviously we have to address Trevor Lawrence. I think he's been projected to be the first pick in the draft since, you know, three or four years ago. Pretty obvious. Um, and I kind of feel like, and I, I, I haven't watched every single game Trevor Lawrence has played, but I kind of feel like he was just so good going into college that he just kind of like stayed the same. And maybe that has to do with Clemson's offense and what they asked him and didn't ask him to do. Obviously, I'm sure the fans, the media is very excited about Trevor Lawrence. What's your feelings about Lawrence? Um, you know, expectations for the first year. It, he is coming to the NFL, and, and as talented as he is, there's going to be struggles. There's going to be speed bumps. Um, so what's, what's your feeling about Trevor Lawrence and, and his development? And just, and just if you had a chance to talk to him a little bit um, since he got drafted and that stuff. Yeah, no, I I, I was uh, – I've been heavy into, you know, uh, studying the NFL draft since 2013. So I, basically, you know, whenever I refer to best guys I've seen, yada, yada, it's referring back to 2013. So the year after Andrew Luck, there have not been that many good quarterback prospects since then. Right. But I, I, I do think Lawrence is hands down the most uh, prepared uh, quarterback prospect I, I've seen in college. And, you know, like you said, he was kind of a guy who was ready to play right away. And I, I don't think Clemson asked him to get that much better throughout his career there, especially his final year there. You know, they – they lost so much on the offensive line in terms of skill players. They really felt like they kind of took the offense out of his hands and, you know, just try to get the ball out quickly and really ask them to do less. And I, I think at the NFL level, if, you know, they give him the keys and kind of unleash him a little more, he'll kind of remind people why, you know, he, he can do the kind of things that, you know, uh, Zach Wilson, you know, can do. There are plenty of plays of him, you know, uh, making plays outside of structure and throwing the ball outside the pocket across the field. So I, I, I think expectations for him. Uh, I think reasonable expectations, honestly, just considering the weapons around him and the division that they'll be playing and the strength of schedule they have, which is middle of the road. Uh, I, I think somewhere around a Justin Herbert type season last season. I know, you know, Herbert obviously set, you know, some rookie records, but they also, you know, they picked 13th overall and there, there wasn't like, you know, he was dominant game in and game out. There were certainly some lulls, you know, there were, there were certainly times where he looked like a rookie quarterback. So I think a year where he looks like a rookie quarterback, but also a year where he greatly, greatly uh, helps their offense kind of unleash its big playability. And it seems like Meyer is more willing to maybe do some kind of things that a lot of people would think would be kind of weird, or at least maybe, I don't want to say not accepted. It's just, it should, you know, it's mini camp. Is there anything to be made out of, you know, Travis Etienne lining up a wide receiver? I mean, my thought was, okay, he's run routes, but he's run them out of the backfield. You yeah. know, it's, it's different coming off the line, obviously. Um, you know, is, is that a big deal, or is that him just, you know, tinkering around, you know, trying to get ETN more accustomed? Because I'm sure they will split him out, you know. Yeah. He's that kind of a player. But, you know, people were kind of like, oh, my God, what's happening? Is that really a big deal? Or I, I know people were like, oh, dang, this dude drafted a running back just to put him at receiver every single play. And, no, <laughs> I, 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 I don't think uh, that's the case. No, I, I, I think – uh, the way they saw it was really, okay, uh, here's a mini camp. Uh, Travis Etienne has ran inside, outside zone about a million times at Clemson. What he didn't do out there was really run uh, routes from out wide. You know, even Trevor Lawrence said, you know, yeah, Travis, uh, on Saturday, he said Etienne ran a lot of routes uh, at, at Clemson, but most of them were out of the backfield. So I, I, I think, you know, it's kind of only logical for a player who – 
the day after the Jaguars drafted Etienne, uh, Meyer had, had literally said that he saw him as a slash-type player, somebody who they used in the passing game and running game. So when I saw everybody so surprised by this, I was more so like, okay, that just like tells me, like, you know, the, that, that what he had said about him, that it, it was just kind of funny that the, his – um, I, I think off the cuff third down back comment that without kind of really context caught more attention than when he yeah. called him a slash the next day, you know, <laughs> when he said he envisioned him as a Percy Harvin uh, type player in the offense. So I think that's just the role they see him as. And if you're the Jaguars, uh, you know, like I said, you've seen Travis ETN reps of him out of the backfield a million times. What you haven't seen him do and what he hasn't do is really take reps out wide. So, you know, you're in a rookie mini camp uh, on air, you know, he's going to get plenty of reps in the backfield. Why not at least use this? time to kind of start you know bringing him along in the game that in the part of his game that he probably needs the most work in right now yeah that, that makes sense I could see that and certainly I think going back to your point too about the transition I think that we talked about from college to the NFL I don't think it's certainly as big as it used to be I, you know I think teams now like I think you know the Bills I feel like run a lot of college concepts I think almost any team that runs a spread is running a lot of college concepts. Now, you know, even like, you know, the Bills do a lot of jet sweeps. They do a lot of weird, you know, they do a lot of RPOs. And I think that – so I, I'm not sure that even the transition for Meyer, like you said, is going to be that big of a deal. Yeah. X's and O's, it's more like the team building and that kind of stuff. And I, I have to ask you, what's – is Tim Tebow really – like, what is this – I know he – obviously they're very close, I would imagine, given their history. But is this more like a – trying to get him on the team somehow because I feel like he is that kind of player that you talked about, maybe not as fast as ETN, but he knows what he can do with a Tim Tebow in terms of different kind of, you know, trick plays, gadget plays, different looks. He obviously has some acumen at throwing a football. Is this like something really serious or is he just trying to get somebody he, he really likes and is familiar with in the building? What's your read on that? I, I, I think he legitimately wants him there. I think he wants him and his presence in the building. And I, they have enough of a need at tight end to where he can kind of use that as a natural cop-out and, you know, kind of justify it. And, you know, the question comes up of, okay, why are none of the other 31 teams having any interest in him? But I do think a lot of it is, you know, Tebow's uh, relationship with Meyer. You know, if Meyer wasn't as close with Tebow, both during and following his playing and college career, then – I, I don't think this is a move that really happens. So, no, I, I do think it's a legitimate. And I'm, I'm not, like, saying this in any inside knowledge. This is just my gut guess for the situation. I'm assuming he signs a contract with the team uh, to their 90-man roster this week. Right. So, it's it's kind of a, hey, I want this guy in the building. I got to find a, a position for him. You know, <laughs> we have to label him something. Yeah. Um, and, and And I think it's worth noting that getting signed before training camp isn't a lock to be, you know, on the 53-man roster, you know. He'd still have to go through training camp. I mean, he'd still have to uh, block uh, Miles Jack, you know, at some point, you know. <laughs> that's, that's so he, Exactly. So, I I, I, I personally, I, I don't think it's a move I would make, and I think it's a move that could potentially even undermine his credibility. But on the other hand, I'm not sure he's a guy who uh, – I, I don't think Meyer could probably justify having him on the 53-man roster, so I'm not sure it's big enough. It's a big enough deal for people to really make it as much as it has. Right. Yeah, it's a much bigger deal, right? If he makes the 53, oh, yeah. then you're kind of like, well, <laughs> wait a minute here. That's weird. Uh, so, what's your sort of feeling about the season, just overall? 
for the Jags. I mean, I think it's easy for people to say, okay, well, you know, they only won one game last year. So even though they have Trevor Lawrence, they're still going to, you know, two, three games maybe. Uh, you know, but I, I think it's possible they, they could go, um, you know, five, five or six wins. Certainly the AFC South, I, I think, isn't the strongest division uh, around. What are your thoughts about their, their overall schedule? Yeah, no. Uh, when when I did my uh, schedule prediction, I had uh, them at six and eleven, and you know I think you know like I said, it can be a lot like the Chargers last year, to where you know they'll pick up a few wins. They'll be far from the worst team in the league. Uh, they'll they'll still be you know in that bottom half. You know I don't think they're going to be contending for a playoff spot or you know anything really along those lines. But I do think they're going to be a team that's competitive and much much more so, especially than last year. And I I think just the sheer presence of Lawrence alone, along with the upgrade the Jaguars have made to the coaching staff as a whole. You know, not just – I'm not even really talking about from Marone to Meyer because I haven't seen Meyer coach an NFL game yet, so I'm not sure how good of a coach he can be at this level. But I do know the coaches that he's hired on his staff, the vast majority of them have come from really, really successful, you know, uh, backgrounds. So I, I, I believe with that blend of, you know, the upgraded quarterback, uh, helping the talent on offense and the coaching staff. I think there are six and 11 team who teams probably, you know, aren't going to look forward to playing each week. You know, like they're, they're a team that, you know, they probably like won't go away pretty easily. Right. And I think they've made a few, um, I mean, upgrades maybe at cornerback, uh, which, you know, maybe a little weird considering they drafted CJ Henderson, but at the same time, you know, Urban Meyer didn't draft CJ Henderson. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you need as I think you do need as many corners as you can get, given the Chiefs, you know, the Bills, you know, the teams you want to Miami now, you know, too with all the speed they have at receiver. Um, so, so I think they have made maybe more upgrades than people, uh, you know, give them credit for. So, so there's that. But then I believe November seventh is when the the Bills travel down uh, to Jacksonville to take on the Jags and. I don't think anyone is under the illusion. I mean, you know, the Bills are going to be probably, I would imagine, pretty heavy favorites. But I think it's an interesting game. You know, as mm-hmm. you, you want to see a young guy, um, you know, see how he does against a, a coach like McDermott, Leslie Frazier, and, and see how that goes. And I think it would be a good, you know, sort of test too just for Urban Meyer and his, and his coaching staff. What are your feelings about the game? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, ju- just like you said, you know, I, I, I think it's a game that's, you know, it's one of the more interesting ones on their schedule just because, you know, they, it's going to be a good measuring stick for Lawrence and Meyer because you're going against, um, you know, not only a defense that, you know, is really successful and, you know, has a lot of, you know, track record of success for Lawrence, but you're going against an organization and a team that's kind of built itself to be one of the best in the AFC, you know. Uh, Meyer, in two or three years, Meyer would probably love to have his team be, you know, where the Bills are right now. So, you know, this is kind of his chance to see, you know, how does his team stack up right now to where he wants to get, you know, if that makes sense. And I, I think it's going to be an interesting game. You know, I think the Bills' defense will probably cause a lot of problems for the Jaguars. Uh, w- with that said, I think ultimately it's going to be a high-scoring game. I, I-, I think Lawrence can just create uh, too many big plays. And by that point in the season, I think he's going to be fully in sync with guys like DJ Chark and Marvin Jones. And I, I think, you know, the bigger concern for the Jaguars by that point will be the defense. And, you know, how do they stop Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, you know, for all the upgrades the Jaguars have made, you know, on defense this season, you know, you put your one on your one, uh, Stephon Diggs against Shaquille Griffin. I'm going to give Diggs the advantage there most of the time. 
Yeah, and I think it's interesting because the Bills' defense, to me, really did take um, a step back last yeah. year. And I don't think it was necessarily like a regression, kind of the way the Bears' defense regressed a few years ago. Because for the Bears, they had a lot of turnovers, which is sort of just lucky sometimes. You know, the, the Bills have some concerning issues, I think, f- from our point of view as fans. And I think they, did, they tried to address that in the draft with, you know, Rousseau and Basham. But I look at those guys, maybe more Rousseau than Basham, as, as a long-term project. So I, th- I think that the, the Jags will be a good test for the Bills' defense because the one thing I think the Bills' defense has struggled with is speed. Mm-hmm. And I think the Jags have a fair fair amount of speed. And I'm not sure how many really, really mobile quarterbacks, you know, the Bills have played. Obviously, they played Lamar and they played, uh, you know, Mahomes. But I don't think they've played that many. And I feel like Lawrence is that really kind of, yeah. you know, create plays on your own out of structure. And, yeah, I think there, it's going to be more high scoring uh, than people really think it is. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it's going to be a game that is back and forth. And, you know, the Jaguars wanted to make a big emphasis on adding speed, you know, this offseason. You know, Marvin Jones, uh, you know, isn't the fastest guy, but he's a big play threat. You know, Travis Etienne, you know, one of the biggest home run threats in the entire draft. So uh, they believe that they've accomplished that, you know, including then they got guys like DJ Chark, who they think they can actually help play even faster than he has and kind of play more to his 4-3, 40-yard dash speed. So I, I do think it's going to be an interesting game. I still lean the, the Bills. I think they're too mature, uh, you know, of a team right now to, you know, like I said, I think they're where the Jaguars want to be in a year or so, you know, or maybe in two years. So, I, I, like I said, I, I give the Bills the Edge, but I, I am fascinated to see, you know, and also h- how they perform against Josh Allen will be a good measuring stick for, you know, Joe Collins' defense. You know, uh, they, the Jaguars have added a lot to the defense this offseason, but that's because they had to, you know, they, they had historically their past defense is one of the worst in, you know, the uh, last several decades and really NFL history last year. You know, they churned cornerbacks in week in and week out. They had their pass rushers, best pass rushers, one traded uh, before the season started, one missed most of the year and one, you know, their first round pick ended with one sack. You know, he picked it up for the end of the season, but they, they just had too many pieces missing on defense. So they added a lot of pieces, but it remains to be seen how they all fit together. So I think it's going to be a good measuring stick for both sides of the ball. Yeah, and I like your point about the Bills are kind of like where people want to be. Same thing with like the Jets, right? Like that's what I always say. So I always say to people, if your team has a young quarterback, the Bills model, I think to me, is how you want to do it. You want to give your young quarterback as much support as you possibly can. So what's your feeling about their team building? Because obviously we have some history with Trent Baalke, but in my mind, the GM works for the coach. You know, the GM's job is to get the kind of players the coach wants. And I know that, you know, Meyer kind of said, well, we just want to be elite, (laughs) you know, which is great, but it's kind of vague. (laughs) You know, of course you want to be elite. So do you have any thoughts on, on, is he just really just going to try, Hey, I just want the best players available. You know, is he kind of going to go there a certain prototype, you know, size length, do you have any thoughts on that or any insight? Yeah. I, 
I, I, I think they're placing a big emphasis on, you know, really potential. I think the big thing, you know, Myra said continually is uh, he doesn't believe there are bad players. You know, he believes that if a player doesn't, you know, uh, perform or if a player doesn't, you know, uh, live up to expectations, it's probably more so on the coaches that failed to develop him and the franchise that drafted him. And I, well, I'm not sure I agree to that full extent. I think that kind of lays out his kind of philosophy in terms of, okay, they're going to take players who, you know, might be guys seen as injury risk or might be seen as, you know, high upside picks, but maybe, you know, questionable value. You know, guys like Walker Little who hasn't played in two years, guys like Andre Sisco coming off an ACL tear, you know, guys who are going to need adjustment, but he is going to trust his coaching staff to give them the coaching. You know, he believes that he truly does have one of the best staffs uh, in the league. That obviously remains to be seen, but that's at least how he's operated in terms of acquiring players that, you know, as long as you fit what they look for in a player, which, you know, they've obviously have looked for high upside guys and guys who have versatility on both sides of the ball, you know, uh, offense and defense, you know, ETN's a perfect example of on offense, on defense, you know, a guy like, uh, like uh, Ward Robinson Harris and John Ward, you know, they're going to play multiple positions in the defense. Right. So I, I think versatility and upside are two things that they've really harped on. And like I said, I think in Meyer's eyes that if you have an upside that they want to, that he believes it's their job to try to find that. Yeah, and that makes sense. And we've seen that a little bit in Buffalo. Like I said, Greg Rousseau, you know, Dawson Knox, Josh Allen himself, the Cody Ford, a lot of these guys that the the Bills, are, you know, were like, hey, we're going to draft these guys and we're going to trust our coaches to develop them. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it might take a little longer. But, you know, the reward could be really high. So I, I think that's interesting. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to talk about or anything or um, – and if not, just let the people know where they can find you, where they can they can find your work and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I would you know probably uh, just give some. Uh, I'll give my own parting shots. Uh, you know, on the Bills uh, draft class, I you know I I I don't love I didn't love Russo you know as much, as a prospect as much as you know some of the top fifteen top twenty projections he had before he opted out. But you know, I had a mid second round grade on him, and in my eyes, sticking him late first in a draft class like this year's where it you know, frankly, just wasn't that good of a draft class. I, I think, you know, he fits the Bills' defense, so I don't think that's a hanging offense at all. I know I saw a lot of people kind of overreact to it on Twitter, but he's a guy to me that if a coach can probably get it out of him, it's probably Sean McDermott. And he's a guy who I think McDermott would utilize him, uh, you know, as a sub-interior pass rusher where he's probably best at. And uh, Basham was another guy I liked a lot. Uh, they're, they're actually kind of similar in my eyes. You know, Basham, I know, is, is a lot smaller and, you know, has less length. But he's another guy who's explosive and he can win inside-outside. So I, I like the Bills draft class. And uh, you can find me at underscore John underscore Shipley or at Jaguar Report. Um, boots on the ground, daily covering the Jaguars. Uh, you know, I, I covered them from an objective point of view, and uh, I, I tweeted out a story a few days ago on uh, tryout player the Bills signed, Joe Giles Harris. You know, he was a, a really solid, strong side linebacker for, you know, the last half of the 2020 season. I, you know, he had one game where he, he hit Kirk Cousins, I believe it was five times, and, you know, he had five quarterback hits and like 12 snaps or something wow. like that. Yeah, so, you know, he, he he's a really good guy, a talented player. He just didn't fit the Jaguars' new scheme, but I think he's a good fit for Buffalo. All right. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and talking uh, some football with me. Yeah, man. Hey, th thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, sure, man. And maybe we can talk again when the when the game rolls around, uh, you know, in November. Yeah, hey, I'd love to. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, man. Have a good one. You too. We'd like to thank John for coming on the podcast. I hope you check out his work. 
at the Jaguar Report. Check him out on Twitter as well. I had a lot of fun recording this podcast with him. And next week, it is going to be Houston Texans' turn on the podcast. So tune in for that. A lot of interesting stuff to get to, both with Jacksonville with the Urban Meyer, Tim Tebow, Trevor Lawrence, and obviously the Houston Texans, who seem a bit quite honestly, like a dumpster fire at the moment, but I had a great interview with my guest for that. Thank you guys for listening so much. It would mean a lot to us if you could subscribe to the podcast network, like the podcast. Uh, if you listen on a site where you can leave a rating or a review, we would really appreciate that. Once again, check out the YouTube channel. I have a Friday YouTube show with my co-host Izzy. Starts either at 9, 9.30, just depending on our schedules. Check out all the awesome podcasts that we have on the Podcast Network. And of course, Bill's Mafia, you know what to do. Find a way to embrace your growth mindset. And as always, trust the process.